0: Whatever it may be, you signed on the line, and that house that you thought you always wanted ain't the house that you thought you always wanted. We have to choose God's ways and believe that His ways are better. Now, Before we go any further, I'm not telling us to go back to the Old Testament and dress in robes and live in the Middle East and act like a culture that we're not. But what I am saying is that God's Word transcends all of the culture, and He brings us to a place that no matter where you are, no matter where you live, no matter what your culture is, His principles will help your life be better. But the question is, will you choose better? Because it is your choice, right? Dieter came up and talked about giving the offering. That's a choice. Did you know that? The Bible is pretty clear. It says, let every man determine in his heart what he's going to give and be a cheerful giver. But that's a choice that you have to make. Or you can think, oh, good God, again, all they do is ask for money. Nope. It's not about the money. And if you have that attitude, keep it. The Bible also says, taste and see that he is good. But that's a choice. It's a choice. And in our world, one of the things that we struggle with the most is abundance. We're blessed and we're prosperous and somehow in our minds we think, well, if a little is good, then more is better. And we know that there's examples and, and, and exceptions. You know, more taxes aren't good in our mind, right? More debt isn't good in our mind. But you think about it, there's areas, so, you know, I like the flavor of salt, but I don't want the whole shaker on my steak. Because you case that thing in salt, and pretty soon it becomes inedible. But more is not always better. And we've got to figure that out today. Let's go to a principle here this morning. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter. Now, again, I'm not sure what matters to you, but let's ask ourselves a question. What matters to God? And what matters to the world? It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. And I'm just going to tell you up front that usually it's the opposite of what you think because God's ways are not our ways. And the things that you think, yeah, I need more of that, God's saying, no, you probably need less of that. And there's things that we think, no, I need less of that. And God's saying, no, you need a whole bunch more of that. And I can prove it. Every time I see somebody that's in crisis, I know unless, unless they do the right application of, of God's faith for them, things begin to happen in their life, and guess what happens? We see them less at church. And you know what God would say? You know where you need to be more? At church. You need to be praying more, not less. You need to be serving more, not less. You need to be involved more, not less. You need to be worshiping more, not less. You need to have more faith, not less faith. But the problem is when we get into difficulties, those things tend to fall by the wayside, and what do we do? We rush towards embracing something else that's more, and it's not as good as what God has for us. Ecclesiastes says, better a handful with quietness. Than both hands full together with toil and grasping for the wind. What he's really saying is it's better to have just a small amount that really brings you peace than you're struggling, struggling, straining, straining, trying to fill both hands. And notice that it's toil, it's work. And we're not just talking about money. I'm just, it could be peace. It could be Whatever that, that, that thing is that, that doesn't seem to satisfy you, and we're just trying to fill it and fill it and grab and grab. And notice what he says. It's like grasping for the wind. How are you ever going to get it? He says, it sounds crazy, but maybe it's better to have less. How about just a, a handful and to be at peace than the constant straining and struggling and grasping for things? Jesus, even himself in Luke chapter 12, he says, watch out. Now, I'm just going to tell you, if you're not a Bible reader, when you see words like watch out when Jesus says it, it's, a, it's, <laughs> it's good news for us to keep us from making stupid mistakes. Okay? He says, watch out. Be on your guards against what? All kinds of greed. It's not just the money in your wallet. There's other means of greediness, Right? Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in what? The abundance of possessions. Now that goes completely contrary to the American dream and our current culture of more, 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 more. But notice what he says. Your life is not designed to just be full of more and more and more possessions. Because the possessions will push out the other parts of your life. Pretty soon you're greedy for those things, and you're wanting what you don't even need. That's what greed is. If you have a desperate need, and you're wanting something, that's not greed. But greed is when you want what you don't really need. And you have to figure out what that standard is for you on how God convicts you on that stuff I can't speak to those things to you but I hope that the Holy Spirit speaks right into you and you say hey because if not we just get and we get and we get and we get and no matter how much we're always going to be dissatisfied with what was I know in my own life I mean I like Uh, shoes i like watches but at some point how many do you need pretty soon you got to ask yourself maybe if i'm going to get a new one i need to get rid of another one somebody that doesn't have it that could use it and we could be ultra strict and say hey there's nobody here that you need more than seven changes of clothes because there's only seven days in a week. But God says that we can have full, abundant lives, right? He wants us to have the life, but He doesn't want the life to have us. You see, that's the difference. He wants us to have money and joy, but He doesn't want the money to have us. He doesn't mind us having possessions, but He doesn't want the possessions to have us. And unfortunately, that's the trick. That's what we don't see is that pretty soon now we're dissatisfied and we live with this discontent and it begins to fill our life. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. Your life is not made up or does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Look at what this one says, Luke chapter 12 summarizes some some bad things happening, says this is how it's going to be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. Now the Old Testament talks about this and if you're not careful, you, you gloss right over it thinking, okay, yeah, but this is a direct correlation to the Old Testament that said that they had leanness of soul. That means is that the person on the outside is well-fed, got what it needs. But if you looked on the inside, it's this skinny, starving spirit that's almost on the verge of death. Leanness of soul. And I would be so bold this morning to say this is the problem in America. We sit on our padded backsides with a very lean soul on the inside that's forgotten the price that was paid for us, that's forgotten that we're here for a purpose, that's forgotten that we're bought by a Savior, that we're not our own anymore, that we're bought with a price, and that we're not here just to accumulate more stuff. Bigger buildings and more this and more that and all of that. I mean, think about it. I mean, how many of you, when you grew up, there was one TV in the house? Come on. Now if there's not one per room it's almost like what's wrong with you people? And I am not against us having material possessions but again like I said do you have the material possessions or do the material possessions have you? It's a big question. Are you doing your job so that you can provide for your family or is that money got a hold of you? Because you'll never have enough. The Bible even says it can grow wings like eagle and fly away. And then what are you left with? An empty heart and a lean soul. It's not what he wants. Let's talk about this process out of Ecclesiastes, this one handful living. Now think about that. It goes contrary to our mind because we think to ourselves, well, God gave us two hands. I want two hands full of stuff. But notice what Ecclesiastes said. Maybe you just need one handful and have peace and joy. And that abundance is not about what you can get a hold of, but there's something more. Hebrews 12 calls it this, and we'll just skip to the New Testament here. Notice what he says. Let's throw off everything that hinders us Think about that for just a minute. Throw off everything that hinders us. Now what's amazing to me is I've read this, I don't know how many times, but it's so amazing that I think we lump these two together. But notice that he separates things that hinder us and sin. There can be things that slow us down, but they're not sin. There can be things that make us overwhelmed, but they're not sin. They could even be good things, but they hinder us. God says, you know what? We gotta throw it off. Throw off everything that hinders. And and you get that example that you're somehow wearing a big, heavy backpack, and you're trying to run. Now think about that. You're hiking, you've got 50 pounds of gear, and all of a sudden you're being chased by a bear. How many of you shed the backpack? Me, man, I'm dropping that thing. It's just a backpack. All that stuff can be replaced. But what happens when you say, you know how much I paid for this backpack? And I went to REI and got this tent. And I got my extra shoes in there. And I've got that. Oh, he's killing me. (laughs) But even in a crowd this size, I can tell you, some of you are over your head in debt because of this very issue constantly having to accumulate things because to you, you think that's what God means by being abundant and God wants us to have the abundance but it's not about the possession of things. The abundance is the relationship with Him and the relationship with the people around you. And if you've got a nice house, it's not about not having that and that we should all live in the mud down by the river. I'm not talking about that at all. But the question is, can you live within your means? Is this what God is blessing? Or are you bringing yourself into bondage by the way that you're living? Throw off all that stuff. Look what it says. It so easily entangles us. It gets wrapped up around us. It's like trying to walk through blackberries. (laughs) And then let us run. Don't try to run with all that stuff. And run with perseverance. You think about that. Even if a bear's not chasing you, how long do you run with 50 pounds on your back? Not very long. There's a reason you see these marathon runners that are just, you know, legs and lung (laughs) and a little pair of of nylon running shorts. They want the minimalist thing that they can wear. They've got a little thin ray on top and a little bitty thing in the lightest shoes and socks if they have to. And that's what they're running with. You never see them running in a pair of heavy boots and a work jacket and jeans and, and that's just light stuff. I want to see the marathon where they have to carry somebody. Think of what your knees are like after a mile or so. It bogs us down. It wears us out. How do we do this? Maybe it's time to cut back. You got a bunch of stuff you're keeping. You don't even wear it. You don't even need it. You haven't used it forever. You're just storing it. (laughs) But it could be somebody else's benefit. Cut back. Do you really need that much? Do you really need this? Do you really need that? That's a great question. And some things that just need to be thrown out. There's some things that are not adding to your life. They're only making it worse. They need to be thrown out. Why keep it around to tempt you? Why keep it around to stay there and to bug you all the time? It just needs to be thrown out. I mean, really. We've got so much stuff. And can we go just a little bit deeper for many of us? We've got a bunch of stuff in here in our hearts and our minds that's stacking up and stacking up and stacking up. And it's going to wear you down faster than any of that other physical stuff. It's time for you to just come to God and throw that stuff out and declare that you are a free child of God, bought by His blood and forgiven by His mercy, and move on. You don't have to drag that hurt into your future. You don't have to drag that abuse with you. You don't have to drag all that mess with you. You can declare today, I am a new person in Jesus Christ. He has made me a new creation. That's what He came to do. And we need to get spiritually Free from the mess that we get entangled in. And last but not least, turn it off. Whether it be Twitter or Facebook or TV or stuff that, I mean, the reality is, and I'll be the first to admit, if we're not careful, it becomes idolatry. When that stuff begins to take place over prayer and our time with God and our time with our family and we can't even, I mean, we've got commercials about it now where a mom has to come into a room with her family and she has to pause the internet so that they'll all talk to each other. It's a sign of our times, people. And I'm thankful for smartphones, but if we're not careful, it turns into idolatry that we, watching it and not the world around us, we're interacting with it and not the people around us. And there's more people invested in a protection plan for this than they are their spiritual, eternal protection. But that protection plan is called the Bible. If you want to make it to heaven, what are you doing to protect your future? What are you doing to protect your spirit, your heart, and your mind that will be supple to God? Are you just going with the flow? And I'm telling you, there's a war between the church and culture because it's going the opposite direction. Culture is always more, more, more. Proverbs talks about this. It's like a fire that never says enough. It will consume and consume and consume. And we live in a consumer world. But what we don't understand is that it consumes the most important part of us and that's the inside. We gotta let go of what doesn't matter. Think about this. If your house caught on fire and you had 20 minutes to get everything out of there that you needed, what would you take out? Are you going for the sofa? Are you going for the 80-inch flat screen? I'll come back for you in a minute, Junior. Let me get the TV first. But we've got to ask ourselves, what's important to us? I mean, really important to us, that's going to translate into eternity? Because a lot of this stuff, guess what? You know and I know. Some of you are sitting on phones that they're already making a new model. And you can shrug it off if you want, but it smacks of idolatry that people wait in line for three days outside to get the new iPhone X. and i'm not against iphone 10 but sooner or later we've got to realize we're really bowing down to some of this stuff we're serving it it's not serving us it could be a boyfriend or a girlfriend are they with you or are you serving them are they the whole world to you above your savior above your future above your eternity above your education above your family You've got to ask those questions But he's so hot, he may not even like you a year from now. And now you've destroyed your relationship with your family and your friends and your job. And this is is easy to talk about, but it's not so easy to do. There's a guy that teaches, uh, he calls it Financial Peace University. Brilliant guy. And times I've read it and seen the material and done all that, and I think, man, this is so brilliant. But, you know, the real problem that I have with that, with that information is that's the stuff you've got to read before you get into debt. Because that whole situation changes. If you're $150,000 in debt, that stuff is going to sound so overwhelming because he's going to say stuff like this, cut up all your credit cards. Well, if I cut those up, I can't pay the bills. And everything goes to collection. And, and there would be some that say, yep, that's exactly what needs to happen. Yeah, try it. But for some of you, debt is swallowing you whole. Guilt is swallowing you. It's eating you up from the inside. And it's it's easy for somebody to say, well, just cut it up. Throw out the computer. Get rid of your smartphone. It's so easy, but notice I'm not telling you those things. What I am saying is get back to God's Word and His principles. Because I believe those can be useful tools if we can keep our heart and our, and our mind aligned with god then those things will be in their proper place because he doesn't mind us using the technology or having the abundance but he doesn't want it to get misplaced let's move on to the second one after throwing out what doesn't matter we need to fight for what does matter here's our problem we reverse that we tend to fight about the things that don't really matter And we let the things that matter go. Fight for what matters. Nehemiah says this, remember the Lord. He is great and awesome. Fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your home. Here's a man that's trying to rebuild a house for for Israel. And they're getting caught up in all these squabbles. and And there's conflict coming against them. And he tries to help them by saying, remember why we're doing this. We're not doing this just to build a wall you got to learn to fight. And look what he says to fight for. Not your jobs, not your cattle, not any of that. Look what he says. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wife. Fight for your homes and church. If ever there was a time that this is so poignant, here's the moment. we got to fight for our families now. We're losing the battle to culture all because of value systems, all because we don't practice but God says that we should practice. We've got to fight for it. Don't just give up. Don't just roll over. Don't just let it go. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your marriage. Not fight in your marriage. That's just going to happen. <laughs> fight for them. One of the last books of the New Testament, Jude, He says, Beloved, I was very diligent to write to you. This is Paul writing. He says, I want to write to you concerning our common salvation. We've got some things in common. But look what he says. I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to do what? To contend or fight earnestly for the faith. And what was happening in Jude's day is these people were coming in and accepting Jesus Christ, but then difficulties and circumstances and religion was beginning to come in, and pretty soon their faith wasn't much anymore. And he says, I'm telling you, we've got the same God in common, and he's here for you, but you're going to have to fight for your faith. It doesn't just stay. You're going to have to fight for your faith. And notice that he even says, I want you to contend earnestly. That means it's important. I want you to contend. Fight vigorously for your faith. Because if you don't, it will drizzle away. It will be removed. Fight for the faith which was delivered for you to all the saints. Take you back to that phrase, better one handful with tranquility. than two handfuls with toil and chasing the wind. Jesus tells the story of a man that was abundant and prosperous. And he said, on a certain night, he looked and he said, my barns are full, my life is wonderful. And he's talking to himself. It said He said to himself, I've got all of this, what should I do? And his self said to him, build a bigger barn you need more stuff and maybe you should read that sometime now this is amazing this that's the american dream right <laughs> do you know what jesus said you fool what if i ask for your life tonight What will you have besides a barn full of stuff that's going to go to somebody else? But you are not rich towards God. He's using as a parable to remind us it's not just getting more and more and more because God may come and ask us to give an account and you may find out that your stuff outweighs your soul. You want to have a better life? stop chasing the worldly stuff you want to have a better life fight for the things that really matter you want to have a better life choose god's ways over the world's ways you want to have a better life start reading your word that will give you good instructions to know what to do and how to do it but you got to make that choice because if not you're going to look around at what other people do it's the problems (laughs) it's the reason 16 year olds think that they're experts I got this, Dad. You ever seen that commercial? I love that commercial. Two teenagers, they got a car, and they got all the stuff out of the trunk. It's an insurance commercial. And he's obviously talking with his dad, and his dad's trying to help him. And he says, Dad, I know what a lug wrench is. And then he covers the phone, and he says, Is that a lug wrench? And his friend goes, Maybe. And see, the 16-year-old doesn't come to the parents because what do the parents know? They're stupid and old. You know who they ask? They're friends (laughs) who don't know anything. (laughs) But does that change when we're 30 and 40 and 50? Do we go to the one Jesus Christ? Do we go to God and His Word that has the answers for what troubles us? That's how you choose better. But you have to start making those different choices. Better is one handful with tranquility than two hands, and you feel like you're toiling and grasping the wind. Now, if you'd stand up with me this morning, I'm going to talk about how to apply this this morning. maybe this sounds heavy or serious this morning but can I tell you something from a, from a heart of a pastor that loves you and, and truly I want you to have a better life making the change from your way to God's way isn't easy <laughs> but it will end up better <laughs> And what's hard is you don't believe that right now. You haven't experienced that maybe. Maybe you've experienced religion, which doesn't leave you better off. But a relationship with Jesus Christ does. But it's a hard choice because we think we know what we're doing. And we want to believe we know what we're doing. And we want to be in control. But can I tell you, as long as you're in control, we mess it up. That's why we've got God's Word then we can stand on that word and we can literally say back to God your word says and we test him to see that he is a provider and he is a protector of his own word towards us but when it's our stuff and our way and our word there's nobody it's just us and we can be wrong horribly wrong so here's a couple questions or applications for you take some time to define the top one or two things that are important to you Now, you may say, well, there's so many. What do you devote the most time to? That'll tell you what's important to you. What do you devote the most time to? That's what's the most important to you, whether you like it or not. And then ask yourself, why are those things so important to you? Secondly, what is it that you need to let go of so you can actually fight for what matters? Are we hanging on to that little petty stuff? Are we hanging on to stuff that's really not adding to our life? Or can we let some of that go? And, And for some of you, it's an offense. It's a frustration. It's a mess that was created. And if you just let it go, it would probably just go away. But it keeps getting stirred up. Let it go. And fight for what matters. Are there areas where you need to cut back? On that one, just a quick bit of teaching for those of you that hear something very practical for this week. The Bible has a principle that says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but that's what it says. Don't be double-minded. Let your yes be yes. If you say yes, then, then mean yes. And if you say no, then really mean no. So if you're saying, yes, I want this, that means you're going to have to say no to something else. that makes sense? So you say, yes, Lord, I want to get out of debt. That means, no, I can't buy that new jet ski on credit on an 84-month loan at 12.5%. That means if I'm going to see my finances change, I'm going to say yes to your way, yes to giving, yes to tithing, and I may have to say no to Starbucks. I know that's painful. (laughs) But it's putting the first things first and saying yes to what we should say yes to and saying no to what we can say.